Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Chad Nelson. Chad is the Advocacy Director of Paws Watch, Rhode Island's all-volunteer network for community cats. He also volunteers as a cat care specialist with the Providence Animal Rescue League. Away from cat advocacy, Chad works for Bank of America, where he facilitates corporate aircraft transactions. He's licensed to practice law in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Stacey. Really glad to be here. I'm a huge fan, and uh, everybody at Pause Watches as well. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks so much. And Chad, I want to say I think that you are our first guest representing Rhode Island. So you've got, I, I'm hoping, I'm pretty close to having all 52 states represented through my 250-plus shows, but I'm pretty sure you're the only one representing Rhode Island today. Well, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> I, I've got a pretty high bar if I'm the first guy from Rhode Island because we've got a really vibrant TNR our scene here in Rhode Island. And we're not without our challenges like any state, but you know, there's a lot of us doing great work. So hopefully I, I represent well. I'd say Rhode Island is always known as being very small, but very mighty. That's for sure. Yes. So Chad, why don't you fill us in on uh, how did you get started in animal welfare and especially your passion for community cats? Yeah. Thanks, Stacey. I, I um, came to TNR and, and cat advocacy in the sheltering world from the broader animal rights and, and vegan movements. For the last several years, I've been involved in you know a lot of uh, vegan advocacy and various AR causes, a lot of demonstrations, a lot of writing projects and really just kind of trying to make the world aware of the plight that all animals face. But I think like a lot of your guests, I only got involved with TNR and, and, and cat advocacy because I heard people who were involved in it and realized that cats really face uh, serious issues today. You know, a lot of folks in the AR movement don't realize that cats really have it tough and, and so do dogs and, and pet animals really aren't well taken care of at this point. They still have tons of serious life and death situations that, that we need to get squared away. So that that's kind of my background. You know, I, I transitioned from the AR movement, kind of recognizing that my love for cats and my passion for achieving justice for cats could be achieved by, by doing TNR and working in my shelter. And that's kind of how I made the transition. And it's been a, uh, it's been a great great switch, even though I do still do some some AR and vegan stuff. So there wasn't a particular situation you ran into or, you know, in many cases with, with my folks, as well as with me, there were various cats along the line. I used to feed a really old kind of crotchety old cat uh, in Cambridge <laughs> right after college. You know, he lived under a porch and I'm cute as all get up, you know, the, the, the crumbly ears and all that stuff and the one tooth kind of hanging out in the front and stuff like that. <laughs> and it sort of that sort of just all these little events, they, in these various faces of cats and, and experiences just built and the passion just grew and grew from there. Were there any particular situations like that, or you just felt like this, 
all of a sudden became an underserved population that you really felt needed your efforts? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And interestingly, it's my own cat, Dagny, who I've had for seven years now. It's actually Dagny that got me involved in animal rights uh, advocacy. I've always been an animal lover, but not always an animal advocate. And so when I got Dagny, there was kind of that slow transition that a lot of animal rights activists and advocates feel where they uh, start to really see the world through their their pets' eyes and want to kind of help other animals. And so that's what, what my cat Dagny kind of helped me to do was, was kind of look into the eyes of other animals and, and realize that, you know, they also had needs and wants that were just as great as, as Dagny's. And so Dagny's a very special cat in the sense that she got me into animal rights. But again, all the while, I'm kind of assuming like, look, you know, I'm taking care of Dagny. You know, she's, she's really a spoiled cat. So. Cats are kind of an already served population. So it wasn't really until I had been doing some AR work for a while, uh, I started to read uh, Nathan Winograd, who I know has been on your podcast. And after reading his work, it kind of like hit me that cats and dogs, again, they, re they really still face serious issues, even though we adore them and have them in our homes and you know, we have places where they can go if they don't have homes. Nathan kind of showed me that, you know, that's just like 10% of the work. There's still a huge, huge amount that needs to be done. Yeah, it was it was Dagny that got me started in, in animal rights. And then other folks who were doing TNR and, and cat and dog advocacy that kind of uh, uh, caused me to venture off into, into TNR. And how did you find PauseWatch? So once I started to kind of study up on my own about what I could do for cats beyond just volunteering in, in my shelter, once I learned that there were more life-saving programs that I could be doing just, you know, in my own free time, you know, just a quick Google search, uh, you can find a, a TNR organization in, in virtually any state. And I found PauseWatch, totally unbeknownst to me, even though I'd been working with cats at at the Providence Animal Rescue League for a while, you know, I came across Paws Watch and discovered this huge network of dozens and dozens of hardcore volunteers, but, you know, a, a broader group of like well over 100 people who are just really into helping community cats and advocating for them. So I reached out to them, you know, said, look, what can I do? I'll do just about anything. I'm a lawyer by training, but I would just as much uh, love to go out in the field and trap and really fill any gaps that you have. And, and like any TNR group, they, they have tremendous need. I jumped in, started taking care of a uh, colony nearby my house, which uh, I still do today. You know, I branched off and began to do some writing, which I had done in my previous animal rights advocacy work. And that has kind of blossomed in, into this new position, which, like you said, is director of advocacy. And in that position, I'm really trying to go out and educate the community and, and attract new people and make people aware of, of what we're doing and the issues that cats face. Because most people don't. Tons and tons of cat lovers have no idea, like I didn't only a few years ago, that, that uh, there's this whole population of cats that really need our help. So I want to go out and reach people like the, the three, two, three-year-old me uh, who knew nothing about this. It is amazing. I mean, we do get quite involved in our own little worlds and circles and 
Many people, when they have first come to work, when I was running Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, when they've come to work, they're like, wait a minute, I don't know what you're saying. You're speaking a whole different language, you know? And we all thought we were speaking just regular old cat talk or whatever. And it really is amazing how we function with us, with our own certain language and the real world, the majority of the world does not understand anything we're saying. So we have to be so careful about our words and our language. And as a director of advocacy, I would say it would seem that you would have to really focus on that, on that area too, especially if your organization is trying to cover, you know, a large portion of, of Rhode Island or be able to assist almost, you know, the whole state if possible. That's such a good point. And I really take a lot of pride in this position in trying to to convey a message that's simple and basic and that people who have no idea about the issues can can take in in like a five minute soundbite. And so it's so it's really interesting like talking to you and other TNR experts. I still find that incredibly challenging. Like the technical lingo is tough, but I was a teacher before I went to law school. And so I've always prided myself on like breaking down messages into really, really easy to understand terms. And then as a lawyer, you know, which I've been doing for the past 10 years and in various positions, I've, I've really focused on serving clients in a way that helps them understand why they're seeing me and what they're doing. And that's kind of always been the most important piece of what I do is, is educating. And so I, uh, I try and bring that to the TNR message too. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show, but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. What is the most challenging situation you've had to run into with regards to representing sort of the rights of community cats. Has it been dealing with neighbors, fighting with neighbors over a cat colony, or has it been presenting to a board of health or city council? You know, what do you think is the most difficult challenge for us as advocates for community cats? Yeah, I, I've had a couple pretty interesting situations uh, pretty recently, actually. I, I just spoke last week at my local neighborhood association meeting and, you know, I was on an agenda with like 10 other speakers and, you know, the topics ranged pretty widely from like, you know, new new skyscrapers that were being built in the city to breaking and entering the rise, the rise in crime in the community. And so at the very end of the agenda, when, you know, the, the feral cats speaker brought up, everybody's like, what the hell is this guy doing here? <laughs> it's a challenge to kind of help people understand that it's actually a really serious issue, not only for the cats, but them as well. I mean, we get tons and tons of complaints about cats at Paws Watch. We get tons and tons of people who want to help the cats, and there's nobody really helping them besides us. So it's it's tricky and it and it was at that neighborhood association meeting to impress upon people how seriously it is and get them to take the issue seriously 
I had a woman after that neighborhood association meeting who, you know, I don't know if she was frustrated that, that she had to kind of sit through that, but she pulled me aside privately after and she said, that was a great presentation, but I, I just don't understand why you guys are wasting all this time and energy when you could just humanely euthanize those cats. They wouldn't be back on, on uh, out on the streets causing these nuisances and killing birds. And so that was, you know, that would have been easy, easy to get kind of frustrated and, and walk away or to, uh, to not engage. But that's actually the bulk of the public, I think. They may not have that strong a sentiment about killing or euthanizing cats, but they're basically pushing for the same thing if they're ignoring these cats. So I talked with her and, you know, I just, again, I gave her kind of like the three to five minute nutshell version of, you know, why spaying and neutering and returning those cats was preferable and, and what the vacuum effect was. She totally got it. She, she, she was very open to that message and, and hadn't heard that like most people haven't. And so that's a huge, that was a huge challenge, uh, believe it or not. And that, that's, that's the broader challenge is to put that on people's radar that doing nothing or just having your local animal control and or shelter euthanize cats is like a horrible failed policy that's never worked anywhere. If I could just add one more story, uh, my colony, the colony that I was initially a little bit challenging. It's the colony lives behind a uh, Portuguese general store. And uh, there's a very sweet elderly couple in their 90s who take care of and feed these cats already. But Paws Watch has always helped out and, and been there to kind of trap and neuter any, any newcomers. And before I had joined, we hadn't, um, before I had begun helping out this colony, Paws Watch hadn't been there in a couple of years. And so there were some new cats. And I think the store owners, again, the nicest folks you would ever meet, they were kind of put off by a group coming in from the outside and just wandering onto their property and commandeering the situation. And so that was kind of my first experience trying to, trying to do community outreach and trying to uh, be a mediator, somebody who works together uh, with community members rather than somebody who's coming in and dictating. And that actually took more than just one or two conversations. We ultimately ended up having a beer together in their shop. They're very happy we're there now. So challenges like that come up every day. Not always, uh, not always me mediating them, but I like to think everybody at Pause Watch does a great job in their community outreach. It can be challenging to the folks that care the most about the cats and that are feeding the cats. There's, there's like this timeline. It, with all the people that you're talking about, and it's trying to identify as a negotiator, you know, what, what's, where's their brick wall? So in the case of the, the store owners, they're about love and care and feeding of the cats that are there. And they're not really thinking beyond that, that scenario. In the case of the other person that you were talking about, they weren't thinking about the fact that more cats will come into the area, more, you know, people are going to be abandoning cats. And really the fact that the cats are there is the product of somebody abandoning cats to begin with. And we have a lot of social programs that we need to work on in order to prevent that from happening. And this is a stopgap. TNR is our stopgap measure to be able to, you know, have a humane treatment and monitoring and community neighborhood program to assist those cats. 
but it seems like with everybody, they have sort of a different brick wall in the timeline that we have to kind of break through to enable getting the things like getting the cat spayed or neutered or getting them appropriate shelter or not having them euthanized. And so as an advocate, you know, you can't have the same elevator speech for those two scenarios. You have to have a a package of different ones and you have to be able to think about what it is that you need to say in order to be able to get them to do really what you want them to do and to be happy about it. But yet we're all exhausted. We're tired. We're working. We're trying to trap at two o'clock in the morning. We're trying to, you know, just get our jobs done. And so sometimes we don't have that kind of energy or the the thought process. And, and we're there for the cats sometimes. Sometimes our volunteers are there just for the cats and they're there because they don't want to deal with people. But yet we have to deal with people. So, you know, we have to take a step back and, and take a breath and then come back to the situation. But oftentimes it doesn't happen that way. And then that's the time where we get a lot of emotions and, and negative energy going on. Yeah, that's so true. And that's such a good point about, about needing to have multiple messages based on your audience. I would love to go into any forum and tell people that, you know, cats belong outside and they've always been outside. And, you know, I love Alley Cat Allies message, you know, that, that, you know, cats have lived alongside man for 10,000 years and, you know, they have a natural home in the outdoor environment, but that's just not where most people are at. So, Sometimes I, I have to stay away from that message. And like the woman I was speaking to at the neighborhood meeting, you know, I wanted to tell her too, and it was genuine that I'm a bird lover and I don't want to see, you know, the bird population decimated and, and without, you know, getting down into the nitty gritty about bird statistics, you know, sometimes you have to tell people that, well, if you're, you know, if you're concerned about birds, then um, the only way to kind of put a dent in, in, you know, birds dying is to make sure that there's not more cats born outside. So I've talked to a lot of different groups and a lot of people, and I've recognized that you kind of have to be like a politician, but in a really genuine way. Um, not, you know, not, you're not pandering to your audience. You're really kind of giving them the facts and addressing their concerns in a way that's going to resonate with them. So we've got a lot of, uh, different guests on the show from around New England talking about the fact that the number of cats in our shelters have gone way down over the last five to seven years. So many of the New England shelters are bringing cats up from cats and kittens up from the South or from other parts of the country. Being part of Paws Watch, being part of an organization that's helping community cats and not necessarily a sheltering organization that may be like feeling those numbers you know, what's your impression of the situation for cats uh, in Rhode Island at this point in time? From kind of a high up bird's eye view, um, pardon the pun, I, I think like New England in general, cats are, are, are probably doing well in Rhode Island. Um, I think we're pretty progressive um, in that we, we actively practice TNR and um, at least Parl, the shelter that I work with, you know, they have a wonderful cat care coordinator She's very well versed on, you know, on TNR and return to the field and the issues that cats face. So there's kind of like a whole grassroots movement in Rhode Island that, that are really dedicated to serving cats. But um, we're encountering a lot of the same issues that pretty much every other state is facing in that, you know, kind of the powers that be don't really get it. The policymakers don't really understand that there's a there's a cat problem and that there's a proper way to address it. 
I know that our Pause Watches director, Gil Fletcher, you know, works with some people in the state trying to promote TNR and trying to get uh, policymakers to recognize TNR as the only appropriate humane method to control community cat populations. And he gets a ton of pushback. I mean, some of the stuff I hear from him out of, you know, people who have been in the animal welfare industry for a long time, various veterinarians, they wonder what we're doing. They think it's, it's ineffective. They think it's a waste of time. And, you know, while none of them are, are telling pause watch that they think euthanizing is the way to go, they're implying that in their actions and their resistance to TNR. So that's a huge issue that we face is, is kind of taking the grassroots recognition of community cats and, and TNR work and getting the people who matter the state level and city level to understand that. And, and that's part of my work too. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of a long way of saying cats are, are, are doing well here, but there's still a ton of work to be done. And, um, Thank God we've got a got a ton of great volunteers who who won't rest until that change happens. Well, and so much of it revolves around communication and proactive communication, I would say also, you know, don't just go and inform, you know, your board of health or your city council about the work that you're doing when there's a neighbor complaining, but it can't hurt to just write a letter once a year just updating them on what's going on with some educational materials attached so that then if they have any new board members, they can sort of give them that information to help pre-educate them on what's going on in their community. And I would say, I mean, as long as you don't take up a lot of uh, a city council's time or you even just sort of have it submitted into the record for them to look at at their convenience, I think it would be appreciated. Yeah, that's um, that's true. And, and we do a good bit of that. Pausewatch worked with, I, I worked directly with uh, somebody at Alley Cat Allies, uh, Julia Seely, um, recently on um, some declaw uh, legislation, a, a, a proposed bill which would ban declawing in Rhode Island. And we, um, I, I felt like, even though that's um, kind of stalled in the Senate right now, I feel like we really made some headway in terms of um, communicating to the, to the Senate Judiciary Committee that there was an issue. And, uh, you know, that declawing, um, is, is harmful for cats and, uh, actually causes them to be, uh, surrendered at a higher rate. And everybody on that committee seemed to get that. We got a lot of people on that committee claiming to be cat lovers and thanking us for, uh, for that message and, and kind of promising to, to do something about it. You know, it's, it's a delicate approach to, to policymakers, but, um, yeah, I totally agree with you that you have to be, you can't bombard them because, you know, they think that the, there are a lot bigger issues and, and maybe there are than community cats, but uh, just putting it on their radar is step number one. Yep, definitely. So, uh, Chad, if there are folks that have questions for you or want to find out more about uh, what's going on at PauseWatch, um, how could they find you? So folks can go to our website, which is pausewatch.org, just like it sounds, P-A-W-S-W-A-T-C-H.org. We just set up a really cool Instagram page, which is pausewatchri, and I administer that, so uh, feel free to let me know what you think. We're on Facebook, so really any of the, the traditional social media platforms, um, you can find us there. If anybody wants to reach out to me, my personal email is chadenelson one at gmail.com. I'd love to get feedback, 
hear from other folks doing TNR work about, you know, any suggestions or any, you know, anything that has worked for them that they think Rhode Island should be doing. That's great. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll leave listeners with just kind of a, uh, a taste of a new project we're going to be implementing pretty soon called the Providence Project, which is kind of our first big targeted TNR effort. We had done one before in Tiverton, Rhode Island, which did yield some results, but we're really kind of trying to do it by the book this time around and, and build a coalition of partners. We've got a lot of exciting folks on board for the Providence Project, but we're in the stages where we're, we're pretty much trying to locate a zip code or neighborhood where we're going to be targeting our trapping efforts. Yeah, we're going to try and roll that out hopefully mid to late summer. It's going to be somewhere in Providence, which is Rhode Island's capital city. And uh, we'd love to get people um, just supporting us on social media. Um, and if you're in Rhode Island, reach out to uh, policymakers, city officials, and let them know that um, we're doing great work that needs to be done. That's great. Chad, well, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on, on in the future. Thanks a lot, Stacy. Really happy to be here. I'm a big fan and uh, it was great to talk to you. I want to hear from you what the Community Cats podcast means to you. You can now leave a recorded testimonial on the Community Cats podcast website and share your thoughts about the show. You can also ask questions, share show ideas, pretty much anything you want. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the testimonial link and record. You hear from me all the time, and now I want to hear from you. Thank you.